The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. She was there during the first three years of my life. And of course, that's your blueprint. And my blueprint was a relationship with a mother who wasn't there, who wasn't present in her own eyes. That's a, a thing that I can still feel. I have difficulties uh, sometimes still feeling my own ground, carrying myself like an adult, because I wasn't carried when I was a baby. In the end, they dragged her out of the house by force, and I was there as a three-year-old kid. Uh, she was dragged out of the house in front of me. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. Today, Andy, on a wonderful chaos, we have Cassandra Bodine. I love your pronunciation with the ha. <laughs> That's a nice gacha going there. Get on with it. <laughs> we uh, we have Cassandra on, and we're going to discuss with her a topic that I've always found fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I, the older I've gotten, the more friends I've had who've shared with me stories that their parents were actually homeless. And when they shared it with me, my heart sunk because I thought to myself, you know, oftentimes we say we're not supported by our parents and that's hard enough. But then the next level is what happens is when you feel like you have to support your parents at a young age. Mm. So we're going to talk to her and about her organization and about the people she coaches. And we're going to do that on what, Bambos? Wonderful chaos, Andy. Just whisper it into my ear like sweet nothings. A wonderful chaos. A wonderful chaos. So, Bambos. So, Andy. How are you today? Top of the world, Andy. Are you? No. <laughs> Is that right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I think since the Monday show, it, it really grounded me. Oh, really? And, yeah. and Well, not on the day itself, but the next day when we took our walk, yeah. I kind of gave everything a place. I've got still got a lot of calls about that show, that Monday show. For any of you that want to feel unsettled, <laughs> that want to feel like, wow, that show didn't make me feel any more comfortable. Than, oh, oh, <laughs> what was the comment that you had for the super the best, the best comment that I've, <laughs> that I've ever gotten at the end of a show was a message that said, am I supposed to feel better after your show? Question mark. <laughs> and I said, no, because I certainly don't feel any better after that show. <laughs> so that was really, that was a beautiful moment. Oh, should I feel Wonderful. better after watching your shows? It Absolutely was not. so funny. Um, yeah. Mm. And, and, and that kind of segues into this, this show with Cassandra a bit, yeah. because um, I have a dear friend and I remember when that friend told me that her mother was homeless, it, it, my brain couldn't quite process it. She says, my mom's homeless. She lives only a few blocks down the road in this sort of canal-like area where there's other homeless people. Mm. And then sometimes um, they'd bring her food or they'd bring her stuff to take care of. But what, what I saw in her eyes was this incredible amount of responsibility and helplessness and utter helplessness that she had to take care of her mom who wasn't necessarily taking care of herself. Yeah. I can't say that I could identify with that experience on any level because I'd never had the thought that, wow, I never thought I'd have to really take care of one of my parents. Hmm. Like, you know, our parents, f- for for you and me, I mean – Dads were dysfunctional, abusive. So, you know, that was one level, but we could leave it and then say, okay, just I'll leave you behind. But to think 
your mom or dad is on the street living under a bridge and, and, you know, maybe panhandling for food. I just, so many feelings came up for me. Yeah. And for you, what's, what comes up for you? Oh, uh, what comes up for me is another guest that we're going to have Steven. Okay. And, um, he actually made, made an initiative where he brought 20 people together and yeah. they're all business owners, very successful. Okay. And they took a homeless person from the street. And it's an experiment to see to what degree can they create a support system to get this person on his feet. Okay. And the last conversation we had was two days ago. And he actually shared it's exhausting because when when the, when, when you're giving it to someone, yeah. it's very you, – you you're, you're spoon feeding them. And in the end, it's not sustainable. That's what he's – Discovering. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to discuss with Cassandra because it, it follows a simple principle. If you give to someone who isn't necessarily able to take responsibility for themselves, it's always requiring you. It's no different than coaching or training. If you try to coach or train somebody who isn't ready to receive it, then it always takes more and more energy. Yeah. So, so, so they haven't asked the question. Yeah. And we'll often say that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and of course, I've also uh, lived on the streets when I was a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you lived on the street. When you lived on the streets, just for to help me understand, we always talk about that. Did you literally... I lived... I slept outside a smart shop on a couch, which they had uh, sitting outside. Okay. And I would just turn it around and I'd sleep there. But So I would get woken up and getting harassed. And But who would harass you? Oh, just drunk British... German. Oh, wow. Tourists. Amazing. Okay. Well, so, we'll get on that on another show. Um, no, we won't. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a really nice show to have with you, actually. You just want to bring the ratings up. <laughs> you, all the tissues that we'll need <laughs> for that one. So let's bring Cassandra on. Hello, Cassandra. Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome hey. to the show. Welcome. Thank you. When you were 15 years old, you were having to confront the fact that your mom was homeless. Yep. I can't even begin to imagine, like if I think my brain sort of has this sort of shut down when it, when it's confronted with a challenge that it doesn't feel like it can even imagine. And this is one of those moments. Yeah. It's actually the same for me. Hmm. It was the same for me. And I'm only now I'm 53 years old. I'm starting to comprehend uh, one because it's just too much to take in. Yeah. And uh, also because I was uh, a 15 year old girl, I mean, I had other things to <laughs> to worry about living in in the family I lived with. So my mother, she she didn't live with us anymore. Mm-hmm. I had my father and my stepmother and I had my hands full with that. I uh, ran away from home when I was 16. Mm. So there was a lot going on then. And, and I was not busy uh, with my mother. Mm. If it's okay, mm-hmm. if you could take me back to you at 15 years old, like how did it feel to, in your mind, know in the back of your mind that like mom was homeless? I might be walking on the street and I might even see her. Like how did, how did it feel at that age to have that lingering in the back of your head all the time? Um, I didn't go there. So I did not have that lingering in the, in the back of my head. I just shut it off. Wow. So is it an emotional shutdown? Yes. Yes. And that emotional shutdown uh, that didn't start then, that started way before that. Mm. Because my mom, uh, she was diagnosed with um, paranoid schizophrenia Mm -hmm. when I was two, three years old. My father uh, decided to divorce her because they told him that was chronicle and uh, couldn't be cured. So um, from that moment on, we were told that our mother was sick in her head and uh, we didn't take her seriously. And that was a a very good way for me to cope because it's, of course, it's heartbreaking. Do you have memories of you as a child like seeing your mom in these psychotic episodes, is that something that you that you remember? No, not really. I do remember visiting her in a mental hospital once, but that was on a on a good moment. Uh, so I I remember her walking down the stairs and 
um, I asked her why she didn't come back, and she said, "Well, I have to stay here." That that was all. It's all in that memory. <laughs> yeah. So I can't remember her uh, in from those early days of my life when uh, she was really well having a um, psychotic episode. But I, I I I don't know how bad it was back then, really. I know how she uh, became later on, and um, actually, she she wasn't really raving mad. She was just chronically uh, a little bit off, <laughs> a little bit wow. shut off from reality. And isn't it funny? Because sometimes when people are worse, it's better because yeah. because then you like you can totally discount them. But if they function a bit, it yeah. can be even harder. Yeah, but still, we totally discounted them. Her, okay. So uh, it was me, my brother, and my my younger sister, my older brother, and my younger sister. Mm. And we we just didn't take her seriously, and we made jokes about her. And wow. uh, uh, thinking about that now, it breaks my heart. But that was a way to cope. Yeah, of course. You know, you you make light of the thing that's hardest as a yeah. as a way of just getting by. So I, I yes. know that I knew that very well. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Like, like I, mm. I, I, like if I share a story about my mother mm. or my father, uh, I notice I always feel the tears in my eyes. So when I, and it's not, it's not going to be as impactful as how I feel you right now as you're sharing. And I'm wondering how are you doing, sharing this mm. on a live show, yeah, mm. this moment. I can feel it. Mm. It, it's, it's, it presses in my my chest and I, I can feel tears too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Especially because, um, it's only dawning to me right now. Mm. I mean, uh, I cannot comprehend it all the way. If I, I see that picture behind you guys, then it's shocking to me. Mm. My mother was like that. She looked like that in her last years. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking when my mom, you know, my mom was killed by a drunk driver when I was 18, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And as you speak, I, I hear a similarity in that I shut down so much that everyone from the outside would have thought that I was okay just because I didn't yeah. exhibit the, the, you know, I made it work. And, yeah. and, and what I noticed in my own case is that I had told the story separated from the emotions that were attached to the story for so many years mm -hmm. that when I recounted it, I actually was almost, I was so totally disconnected. Yeah. I recognize that completely. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually, I have two storylines about my mother, mm -hmm. uh, the, the one making fun of her and mm -hmm. the, the crazy stories, how, how uh, uh, weird the things were that she said or did. And then uh, only the last couple of years, there's that other story emerging of an actual human being yeah. being my mother, even. I was born from her. And, yeah. and that is still very painful. Very painful. Yeah. I did this tour in the U.S. after, after the, the, the last letter book came out. And I okay. wrote a letter to the woman who killed my mom. And, and and I remembered that at some point, you know, I I projected onto her as this, you know, the perpetrator. And so yes. it was so it was so easy sure. to create a persona that was separate, and I didn't need to see her anymore because as long as yeah. she was separate. But it, it dawned on me much later that wow, like her life kind of ended as well in that moment because she yeah. lost all of the fragility, all of the, I, I, you know, that the, what we do, the innocence of life, you know, now she's got a record, she's got a felony, she's killed a woman. Yeah. Like not seeing her was a weird, a weird, and I call it a dilemma because at first I didn't see her. And then at the, some point, the weird thing was, is I needed to forgive myself yes. for not seeing her. Yeah, and yeah. Even as I said, now I can feel the emotions come up because yeah. it's weird 
to put it in that way because people who haven't experienced can't understand that because mm. if you're living in the world of everyone is projected on and it's very easy and convenient but when you realize i haven't seen them there's some degree that there's a compassion like wow i actually have to forgive myself for not seeing them all that time yeah yeah i recognize that yes yeah. yes especially because it's my mother <laughs> As you were growing up and you were aware of your mother having this condition, was there? did you have the awareness that, oh, did I inherit something from my mother? Mm. Uh, I remember uh, being scared for that. Mm. Um, but it, it, didn't, um, uh, it didn't own me. Like, sometimes I thought, well, this could happen to me too, but there it stopped didn't play a very big role my father was more scared than we were actually oh yeah because for, uh, for us yes yes especially me and my sister my brother he um uh yeah my, my brother he moved to the united states when he was 17 so he fled the whole story yeah <laughs> uh and he, he he was doing great there so um my dad dad didn't have to worry about him but he worried about me and my sister because we both um developed mental issues yeah especially uh anxiety fear and uh he thought we would go the same way as our mother uh, but hmm. we we never uh thought that it would be that bad we we could feel the difference hmm. which actually is a thing that um I see around me a lot in in this this group that I'm coaching, like the the children who uh, were raised by parents with mental issues, but they have grown up. That their parents they had uh, what they call a mental uh, health issue, or uh, maybe a, a disease, what they call a disease. And we, as their children, we just uh, call it uh, mental problems or not uh, something like a disorder yeah and then mm -hmm. you would think that there, that's a, that it's a different thing it's a different thing what happened to my mother or to me but i found out during the years uh, that it's exactly the same it's just not as bad it's not it didn't uh, develop as far could you could you clarify a little bit more because you're making a distinction there that i don't necessarily yet understand completely okay okay we usually make the distinction between mental problems like uh, psychiatrical or mm -hmm. just psychologist uh, needing. <laughs> I, I I don't know in, in, in English the words, but... Uh, like like uh, something that needs medication or something that doesn't need medication. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the distinction that we make, but yeah. it's false. We oversimplify things just to make it easier. We, we all do. I, yeah. I mean, that's what I learned from um, my mother's issues and my own issues that is the same stuff okay. so if I don't take care of myself and I lose myself in um, my anxiety or whatever it was that I developed then I could end up like my mother too wow that's pretty that's quite profound I would agree that I could end up just like my dad. Mm. There, there's no reason that, yes, the, the, the same, this, the, there was a lot of attributes, of course, that I embody that he also had. Mm -hmm. And I took certain responsibility. And I've always, it's always a nature nurture question. Like the question is, could he have taken responsibility given whatever chemicals were in his brain or his inability to, you know, that, that's always a fine question. Mm -hmm. Because then you're, you know, it's always you could get a lot of people angry at you because you're like, no, it's a disease. No, yeah, you could yeah. have, you know. So yeah. there's a, it's a funny, it's a fine line between where you play there. But I would, yeah. I'd, I'd argue in agreement that if I didn't take responsibilities for certain areas of my life, I certainly could have ended up at as yeah. I did in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so did I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. what I think is, it's underneath, it's trauma. Yeah. Trauma. That's trauma. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cassandra, you, you, so in fact, you were, you were actually not raised by your mother. No, no. She was there during the first three years of my life. 
And of course, those are the most important years. Yeah. <laughs> That's your blueprint. And my blueprint was a relationship with a mother who wasn't there, who wasn't present in her own eyes. Mm. So that was pretty well that's a, a thing that that i can still feel i have difficulties uh, sometimes still feeling my own ground carrying myself like an adult because mm. i wasn't carried when i was a baby mm. gotcha so that that was only the first three years of my life in which of course uh crisis happened <laughs> my father finding out and 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 uh, of course um um doubting what should i do and, and there was a lot of stress and in the end they dragged her out of the house mm. for um to go into a mental uh, yeah. institution they institutionalized her yeah they into institutionalized her by force and i was there as a mm. three-year-old kid uh, she was dragged out of the house in front of me and, and, and you was, and you remember that as a three year old, I re- I only remember the feeling. Oh, wow. I, I cannot. Re- I don't have the images, or yeah, yeah. of course they told me the story later on, but uh, my body remembers. Wow. Yeah. Of course. Wow. Yeah. So what? Like all the with all the stories, what was the effect that this had on your life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I was a young child, um, the effects, uh, well, there, there, of course, uh, there was more things happening. When my mother was institutionalized, we had to go somewhere because my father, in those days, it wasn't um, uh, normal that a father would take care of his kids. He, he had a full-time job and he continued working. So uh, we were uh, put into different uh, places. <laughs> Uh, the three kids and those weren't necessarily good places either all that together uh, when I was five years old my father remarried so he brought us all back together of course the intention was that it would be uh, happily ever after (laughs) we would live happily ever ever after with with our stepmother but (laughs) there was a relatively uh, peaceful start then and that's when trauma comes comes up. I mean, then it gets the space to uh, to be seen. Yeah. So I was really a very troubled, anxious uh, little girl, mm. um, especially with with friends at school and uh, and 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 kids. They they just smell it if you're not secure. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I, I got bu- bullied a lot, and my so did my brother and my sister. Mm. So uh, uh, it kept piling up. It reinforced itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the trauma kept piling up. It, it never stopped. Wow. So as a, a young child, um, a lot of uh, um, bullying at school and being unhappy. Uh, being very uh, rational, we were all very rational because we had a very rational father, <laughs> and uh, intelligence was um, important in our house. So we were fighting to be the most, the smartest. <laughs> uh-huh. So feelings they were ruled out by. Then. Oh wow! Did he? Did you even have that sort of? We can rationalize the emotions away if we talk about it and we actually ana- analyze what has happened. Was it that kind of environment? No, no, uh. no because we didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> no, we no. didn't talk about it at all. Mm. No, no, we didn't talk about what 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 had happened. Was that because if there was a mention of it, there was tension, yeah. or everyone was just suppressing it? There was tension if it was mentioned. Oh. Because sometimes things happened. I mean, um, when uh, the parents get divorced, uh, they make uh, uh, decisions about where the children go yeah. At, yeah. at what time. So uh, we always went to our grandmother, our, my mother's mother, uh-huh. and there we saw, saw our mother. And, um, of course, sometimes things happened there, and and we uh, mentioned that at home sometimes, but that gave a lot of tension. My mm-hmm. stepmother, she didn't know how to handle that because, obviously, we uh, she had a, uh, a rival uh, who was crazy. <laughs> so there was something um, we felt 
tense. Mm, and yeah. also my father, he he was afraid to talk about it, I think. It was very uh, emotional for him as well. I mean, yeah. um, what I told you about my father, that he divorced my mother, that sounds really harsh and cruel maybe, but she was the love of his life. Mm. So he made a sacrifice. We could feel that if we talked about her. Oh, wow. Well, that's so we all emotional. just walked around the subject. The, the way you're talking about it, Cassandra, it sounds like you, un, until this day, you haven't spoken about this with your father. No, no, I have. I yeah. have spoken uh, with him about it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the last 10 years or so. It's more uh, of a topic to talk about. Mm. Yeah. So uh, the tension in, in our uh, family was there uh, all the time that I lived there. And I ran away from home when I was 16. Mm. So uh, until my 16th, uh, well, we didn't talk about it, it a lot. It was too painful for all of us. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of when I mentioned after my mom died and we would like be around it, it, I, it was very infrequent that we discussed it because um, even like when emotions came up, it wasn't the emotions were seen as something that were good and that need were, were, were a welcome part. It wasn't that there was anything negative. Like it was, it was, it was almost, I wouldn't call it actively negative. It was more like, we don't even know how to allow these emotions to exist. Like, yeah. Like the, the even on the show, sometimes I was t saying to Bambos, we had a show where he was quite emotional a few days back. And a lot of viewers were feeling uncomfortable because they didn't know how to hold space for that emotion. So they're like, why are you triggering emotions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was the same in our house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So triggering emotions that was not done. <laughs> the only way we could talk about it was uh, making jokes. Yeah. And I remember my father sometimes <laughs> being a bit hurt about those jokes, oh, which really? I can really understand now. Wow. There's there's so much like there there's so there's so many dynamics happening yeah. and Yeah. Like, I, I know I'm just sitting here and I just can't catch up with everything that you've shared with us. Um I, I am mm. aware that the subject is my mother was homeless. Mm. And I noticed a curiosity to go a little bit into that space, if you, uh, if that's okay for you. Hmm. Yes, that's okay. Yeah. Like, how did that look like, and how did you visually um, experience that, and, and emotionally? I started experiencing that and realizing that I think after I started living on my own, because before that we saw our mother at my uh, grandmother's place. But after I uh, started living on my own, she started to visit me. And um, she would always be walking, pushing her moped because her moped wouldn't move by itself. Mm -hmm. If I asked uh, where she came from, then she mentioned something about 40 kilometers away. And then I asked her, have you been walking all the time? Well, or half the time walking, half the time the moped maybe it moved so i started understanding hey what is she doing i mean if she she walks that far she, she cannot come from home or she cannot go back home so that's how i realized that she must be sleeping somewhere on the road and and of course she looked like a, a wanderer or and so if we see her in the city, we lived in the city of Utrecht uh, back then, my sister and me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we saw her walk and the first thing you think was, oh, there's a, a, a vagabond or uh, I don't know the right word, but a homeless person. Yeah. And then after that, oh, okay, that's our mother. Wow. That just blows my mind. Bolalong, he's uh, the third person who's always on our show, and he just writes, as I listened further to Cassandra experience, I feel so much pain in yeah. me. And I think I would say for all of us, because uh, on the show, half of the show is us feeling as you speak and letting that sort of be inside of us, and it isn't easy. No, no, it's so not I, easy at all, no. As, as we listen to you, it's, uh, it's uh, 
I know we're no different in that case. It, there's a lot of feelings that come up. So even to ask more logical questions, mm. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to be on this end because on one level, you just, just want to cry and just let that, uh, just let the feeling be. Yeah. 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 When you would have seen your mom on the road, I mean, I can't, my heart sinks if I thought that I'd see one of my parents living on the, on the street. And, and, and you said earlier, you separated emotionally. So, so yeah. even, even as you saw her, you would have just sort of shut down to the feelings that came up. Is that true? Yeah. I, I remember one time that it really did dig in. That, that was a, a very, um, sad, um, uh, thing that happened i was um i was living on my own and i was doing my exams my school exams and my mother would visit me without uh, giving me a notice so she would just stand at the door and uh, so i was um preparing for those exams and then she came around mm -hmm. and she was uh she was she was always welcome in my home, so so she'd stay there a couple of days, but she was also uh, um, asking for my attention the whole time. And uh, normally I could just sacrifice myself and give her all that attention, but at that point I couldn't because I had to study for my exams. So I got very stressed and uh, at one point I burst out and I, I told her to uh, to fuck off and to to go away yeah. and she did and after that i started crying of course very loud and i heard from um uh the people uh downstairs we had a pub and they told us that my, my mother uh, went in there and and cried too so my sister and me we were both living in that house and um we needed to get out because of all the feelings. So that's when we uh, went uh, for a walk in, in the street, streets of Utrecht. And I remember that we uh, turned a corner and we saw her uh, in front of us. And um, that, that really hurts. That really hurt. I, I can still see her, um, her, back like that bent like that and mm. um and we both felt the same thing and and we ran away we literally ran away mm -hmm. and we shut off again because it was too much it was too much yeah yeah as you're sharing and like i i also I, when i was a drug addict and, and i have flashbacks of me shouting or being angry or even being violent yeah. <clears throat> it took me a long time to find compassion for that younger version of me that was very mm. so how how do you relate to that version of yourself as mm. you speak um i i forgave myself and i know my mother forgave me too she died when i was 21 and um after she died um, may it may sound funny, but after she died, uh, I developed a very good relationship with her. Yeah. <laughs> because she felt, as a dead person, she felt just being loved. That was the only thing that was left of her. Yeah. And that, of course, I could relate to and start to relate to. And I'm still in that process because I'm I'm getting older, and I'm I'm older now than she ever got. She yeah. got. She lived till uh, 52, and I'm 53 years old now. Yeah. Wow. So, um, but I'm still processing. And how, and, and how did she die? Cancer. She had breast cancer, uh, which of course wasn't treated well because she she didn't yeah. go to the doctor, or, or she, she did. Well, one time she went in the, uh, one town and then uh, she would go to another town and think, oh, uh, I'm bothered by this disease, so I go to the hospital there. That was yeah. the way she had herself treated. So there was no continuity in that. So that <laughs> yeah. was very nasty, too. She had a one big wound where her breasts should be. Yeah. So that's and it was very slow, too. It took about eight years till she died yeah mm. and you it's 
you know, the, the, the second book that I wrote was called the wounded healer, because of course I've seen it reflected in me and most of the people I'm in contact with that once they've healed, their kind of gift is able to hold space for other people who have suffered the same thing. And, and yet, and yet maybe you're one or two steps ahead of the other person so you can support them. I think it's, it's always a, you're always delusional to say, Oh, I've solved this and now I can help others. You know, that's like the (laughs) arrogance of, of thinking, you know, Um, but in a way, keep processing. So you then, what makes that you then, decide to work for this organization that call it's called cope c-o-p-p yeah yeah it's, it's not really an organization it's just uh, the the name of the people who who grew up grew up like that okay it, just what you uh, you are mentioning i'm a step ahead but it's the same experience so i found out that sharing my uh, experience was useful and sharing my coping my my way of processing was useful to other people so that's how it started Mm -hmm. it made people happy to to see that they could gain more space in 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 their emotions and their heads like like i have too Mm. i mean when i was 20 25 years old my life was was like that very narrow Uh, i didn't have a lot of energy i was afraid of everything so that changed tremendously and and i can i find out i can help other people uh doing that too making that space and also you're not alone in the world yeah no (laughs) did did you did you ever have like if you're sharing your story and over and over again i remember andy sharing in his book against just to reference that every time he wrote a last letter he would also go to the cry space and it, it really had a heavy impact on him emotionally after doing that for three months, every two days, I don't know how many times, 60 times. Yeah. So how, how is that for you? I mean, th- you've chosen this to, to live this. Yeah. Um, well, if I don't go there time and time and time again, and it's it's all different uh, places. It's not all about my mother. It's also about my father. It's also about a lot of other th- stuff that happened. So, but um, if I don't go there, uh, then uh, my life will narrow up again. Mm. So I, I need to go uh, to the, the pain to uh, mm. to be able to grow. And um, I found out the hard way. I mean, there, uh, there was a time between 20 and 30 about that, that I was um, kind of, uh, I don't know how you call those people, um, somebody who lives in a cave and doesn't come out. An introverted sort of lifestyle. Hermit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Monk. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but not as holy as a monk, though. <laughs> I was more depressed. There was more like, fuck them, I'm not going out. <laughs> no, not even fuck them, no. Because fuck them, that, that, that is energy, that is anger. I didn't have that anger uh, and energy at all. Understood, yeah. So uh, that I had, had to, um, to gain, to mm. gain uh, anger. <laughs> yeah. This also comes from Andy's book. And he had an, uh, an interview on a TV show in the States. And one of the interviewers asked Andy, if you could go back and write and share one thing with your mother, what would you share? Mm. And I'm wondering what would be the thing that you'd love to say to your mama? Yeah, that's a painful one. Mm. Yeah. I tell her I love her because I never told her and I only ran away from her and I made fun of her. Mm. You know, so I tell her I love her, but she knows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but in life, she, um, I think she was mocked. Is that a, an English word? Mocked? Yeah, yeah. By everyone. I mean, she she lived on a campsite uh, for a couple of years. And uh, we heard the children of the, the campsite uh, calling her witch and, and, and laughing at her. And, mm. You know, she was mocked by, by the whole world. Nobody took her seriously. Yeah. Do, do you think if this has happened today to her, 
because of, just because the way we understand mental illness is different from from back then would there have been a different way of uh, interacting with her in terms of the medical world and or once you get a label you're just that because the way you spoke about it in the beginning it was she had a condition she was diagnosed but it, it wasn't to the point where she, you were in danger as a child for example yes we were in danger as children mm, okay yeah not because she was really uh, doing mad things or, or maybe it was a mad thing she would just lock us up and go and my dad, he got phones uh, on his work that we were hanging out of the window oh, wow. upstairs. <laughs> so we were yeah. in danger. Yeah, yeah. But, but not because of abuse or it was neg neglect. Neglect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, um, in these days, I actually, I don't think there has been that many changes or there has been changes, have been changes about maybe 20 years ago there was way more money and attention for prevention hmm. but that's all gone now again yeah so and and there is no treatment for for such severe uh, what they call mental illnesses there's no treatment they don't have a treatment yeah. i think the treatment is trauma work but um that's not what uh, um uh, the mental institutions uh, feel like it, it it is that they don't feel like that's the cause yeah um, so there's there's only medication and sometimes say they lock people up and that's that's all they do did you ever dig into your mother's uh, past or childhood to better understand her yeah, yeah, that's that's a part of my work. I, I'd say for, for other people, I do the same thing. But, um, of course, I reflect on my, my own family as well. You can't know everything because a lot of people uh, have already died, so they, they cannot tell the stories. But what I do know, I, I knew my grandmother very well. My grandmother, my mother's mother, was kind of my mother, really, because she took over her uh, role. She came from a family of 10 children and she was uh, uh, about halfway. And in, in those days, you just had to take care of your brothers and sisters. Yeah. So she didn't, she did want to marry, but she didn't want children of her own. She mm. really did not want to take care of children again. Wow. Yeah. But in those days, you, you didn't have a, um, a con contraception, is that? Yeah, contraception, just, yeah. You just had kids so uh, my mother was the first and i can really imagine a woman being pregnant with a child and not wanting it uh, that has a tremendous influence it's an influence that i have experienced myself because my mother she she wasn't uh, connected with me at all mm. when uh, when she was pregnant with me so looking back at what could have caused my mother's problems uh, it was definitely uh, part of it was definitely the relationship with her mother and also in that family there was some strange um behavior going on yeah it's still hard to to really catch but it was like a, a culture of not talking about problems that's that's for sure not talking about problems not talking about uh, feelings but there was a lot going on yeah it's always weird when you have that feeling like there's so much more going on that I don't know, but I know there's a lot there. Like there's just, there's a sneaking suspicion that's so there, but you just don't know what the real details are, right? No, but you can feel it. You feel it. Yeah. There was, there was something you said earlier that we didn't go into, but it really, it touched me. And, and I've said it myself, and I think it's hard for other people to understand it who aren't processing their emotions or are having challenges is that um, like I lived with my own emotional shutdown for so many years mm -hmm. that when I started to invite the sharing and the sadness that would come up in the moment it was felt mm -hmm. others felt uncomfortable sometimes yeah. oh, it's exaggerated it's not needed mm -hmm. haven't you gotten over that 
by now, you know, so, so all of these things happen. And then I realized, well, I'm dead inside emotionally if I don't allow it. Yes. And yet if I, the, half the reason why I didn't allow it for the 30 years is because of everyone else's reaction to me when I do allow it. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I, and, and I've kind of, I kept saying, I'm not doing it because I'm making you uncomfortable, but in, not, in, in, in that, I'm the one that's stuck, sitting in the uncomfort all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly the decision I had to take, uh, not to do uh, what I, whatever it was I wanted to do for the others, but to make my own decision here. For me, it's necessary. It's the only way uh, to uh, to uh, contact these feelings and and to go through them. It's the only way. Yeah, it, but it's hard, but it's hard for society or people or friends yeah. and family who went through the same thing, dealt with it the way they've learned to deal with it, compartmentalized it so they could survive. And yeah. then why are, is Cassandra being such a bitch? Yeah. Because come on, all yeah. you should do is just be normal. Just yeah. be so, so normal. So how how is it how is it for you to kind of in, in some weird way come out of the closet? And how do you feel, how do you see them reacting to you and you making these steps? Yeah, well, um, by now uh, it's all uh, fine again, but yeah. it has been uh, not so fine for a lot of years. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. We all cope in a totally different way. Yeah. And uh, I am the kind of person who would go to the bottom of everything. And of course, uh, that annoyed my family. Mm-hmm. I was always uh, um, um, self-centered. I was self-centered because I have I, I was going to the bottom of everything in yes. myself. <laughs> Why do you need to be that way, Cassandra? Yes. Why can't you just? <laughs> so, as you're doing this show with us, yeah. do you have like in the back of your mind, oh, they're going to watch this? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and, and do you think they can embrace you in this? If that's okay to ask. No, by now, I think it is possible, yeah. Of course, I'm doing this job, uh, and all my family, of course, know know about that. And they see that I'm successful in doing what I do, so that makes them take me seriously. And I make little animation uh, stuff on my uh, website, and I'm sure they've all seen them, so <laughs> so they know what I'm up to by now. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and and sharing it uh, becomes easier. Mm. We recently, really recently, lost our grandmother. She uh, uh, passed away uh, a month ago. No, I'm sorry, to age, age of hundred and nine. <laughs> yes. your, your your mother's mother. Yes, my mother's mother. Oh, yes. Hundred and nine. Wow, she yeah. must have been up there with some of the oldest people in the Netherlands. If uh, yeah. I can't. She lived uh, across the border in Belgium, so uh, the mm. the oldest people in in Belgium were older. So she never got to be the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> she passed away, and that made uh, me and my sister reconnect. Ah, because that's what happens. What happens if people pass away? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, you know when my dad. You know, my mom died when I was 18, but my dad died many years later. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was that if you've got an adjutant in a system, or in your case, grandma wasn't the adjutant, but if you have somebody that sort of you feel like they're the holder of the group, then you kind of in the weird in your mind delegate it up like, oh, they'll be the ones that take care to make sure that we. And what I noticed is when my dad died, all of a sudden the relationship with my brothers felt for me much closer yeah. because in some ways we didn't have to say who's the one fighting with dad now. And if the topic of dad comes up, you'd feel the constriction and it would never be comfortable. So there'd be always one thing in the back of everyone's mind <laughs> that you would never want to bring up because it never ended well. Yeah. So, so it, when he was gone and that stress was gone, it was like, wow, now we can have, we can have a relationship as adults. Yeah, just, I can imagine that. Yeah. Just you and me. We don't need to think about this outside person who's leveraging, you know, if you, you're written out of the will, you're written out of the will. Like one of us has been written out of the will at any given moment in our lives, right? 
and wow. and and then that puts a dilemma on each of the other ones because you're like, if he dies and he's written out of the will, what what, what happens then? Then I get all of his money, you know? Like it was the worst situation to feel yeah. with, uh, yeah, that kind of yeah yeah. So um so yeah, I, I can identify with, but in this case, your grandma wasn't the adjutant. So what made it that the relationship improved after she was gone? What what happened? Because uh, uh, we both and and my brother too, but he still lives in America. She was uh, the ground we walk on, our mm. grandma, because my mother, she couldn't give that to us. Mm. Our grandmother has given that to us. And of course, when somebody dies, then uh, you're going to talk about the meaning that they had in your life. And my yeah. sister, she wrote a wonderful speech for the, the funeral uh, in which she, she expressed that. Ah. So that. That was really beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I have, I have a question about your grandmother and your mother as a relationship. Like during that time, did your grandmother know that your mama was on the streets? And well, how was that? One. That's a good one. I don't think she realized. Wow. I don't think she realized. It, it wasn't so obvious. She she had a um, what they call mobile home at that campsite. Mm-hmm. But, uh, didn't live there all the time. So I don't think my grandmother uh, has realized that now. No. no, because because I can imagine in those times there were also like hippie communities in the Netherlands, and in those times it was quite normal to be living in campers and uh, abandoned buildings, like we we call them squatters, right? Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine your grandmother didn't. Uh... No, she she just thought she was living on that on that campsite and my grandmother she she also uh, shot her eyes on it oh is that right yeah <laughs> yeah too painful for her as well of course yeah i i would have thought for her it would be terrible to see your daughter living like that and not and and the the yeah. the thing i've noticed in the netherlands i i was passing a homeless guy who every day begs me for money every single day. Mm-hmm. So much so that I feel this tension inside of myself. One time I'm like, fucking man. And, and I know where he lives because he goes on the north-south line. He lives somewhere up north, but it's better to beg in the center of the city because there's more money and more activity here. Um, and and I and, and I had this very weird moment yesterday. He's. I'm walking down the street and I'm so annoyed with the guy every day, always asking, 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 and he can't open a bottle, you know? Uh-huh. So I'm looking there and I'm like, I'm like, everything in my heart says, oh, just help him open the, but just twist the bottle open. But then I'm like, shit, now I'm going to welcome interaction with this guy every day after that because now he sees me as somebody that's compassionate. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I like w- walked by, but I felt like shit. Because I'm like, oh no! I'm like my heart's like, oh, just help him out. It's the sweetest thing, and this and that. And then the next thing is like, oh, now I'm the target of him every single day. Right? Yeah. It was a funny, um, a funny uh, one oh. of those weird experiences that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to bring it back a little bit. Uh, so your mother had was a child of ten, ten kids. Oh uh, no! Sorry, my grandmother was. My oh, mom oh, was one of five. One of five. Okay. Okay. Um, and in, in those relationships, uh, the brothers and sisters also never, like, I'm always thinking about my family, my, my brother and sister, pretty much until today, I'm 44. And they still ask me if I need money. Oh, and, really? and I was still a drug addict, but I don't remember, I was on the phone with my sister. And I remember I had to go to Cyprus to get an operation. Mm. But I remember she was really upset with me when I had told her, how far I had gone. Mm. And I'm wondering, I mean, knowing, knowing how people don't communicate, uh, like the shutdown, like, was there any communication between your mother? Like, did they know, Hey, she's got this uh, mental problem. Um, Do we we check in with her every now and again? Or was it like, Everyone in their own world. It's different. There, there, there were uh, uh, four. So uh, my mother was uh, number, well, she was number one, but the fifth. So they all dealt with it in their own way. But uh, they tried to to help her. Uh, for instance, one of my uncles, he gave her an, um, she could eat for free in a certain place. Okay. That was a, a real good gesture of him. And, and I think she even used that. 
But um, uh, usually she would uh, push away everything that was given to her or or she'd accept for a while, but then she, she'd make, for instance, my grandmother, of course, she, she told her, you can come live with me. And uh, she even mm. uh, arranged a house with a, a special place for my mother to live. But she couldn't um, um, receive. Well, for, for, uh, for a week or two weeks, and then mm. it was finished. <laughs> yeah. There was no, there was, she couldn't live the pattern and the, yeah. And she could, she could not live up to the expectations, of course. I mean, she she needed her, her chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Same with her brothers and sisters. They they tried to take care of her each in their own way, but couldn't receive Uh, it. Like, I have to say this, it feels like these last, since we're back from our sabbatical, the, the shows have been quite touching different parts of me. Mm. Like, and this one has been equally challenging for me to, to stay with it. And as I'm sitting here, I just see embracing pain to create a meaningful life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. You would normally on a show like this, Bambos, Bambos, I see when a show is more sensitive, he'll often shut down. Uh, uh, and I've been quite fascinated today. I, I was curious because in a way you were very, you stayed attuned in a way and that I'm not used to you when dealing with subjects that hit you in a way that is not easy. So what was different for you today? Oh, just we we tend to talk after each show. So um, getting getting feedback and, and also I, I've kind of committed not to suppress anymore anything. Mm. And to the best of my ability, yeah, I that's how I'm choosing to live. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think one thing that you mentioned that was nice was that for some some part of your own journey, you know, Bambos is also sharing his own story. And of course, his family is listening to him. And he's still like dealing with the reality that the things that he's working out aren't necessarily comfortable. It's like, what do they call it? Like, putting out the family laundry or something is that the term so, sometimes and, and, and i won't mention names but sometimes a family member did that really happen yeah and i'm i'm like as far as my experience was yes yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh, do, do you ever get that like people in your surroundings yeah. being in denial or actually i don't even want to judge as being in denial but maybe it was so painful that they blocked it that they gave another label to it or another experience. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, your mom was never really homeless. She just didn't have a place to live. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I know the, uh, yeah, Bolalang, who's basically the third person. He's our conscious for the show. He says the show has left me without words. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh he he also shares something which used to be a reality in my country. Mm-hmm. And he says in Africa, by default, your parents are your responsibility. They come and live with you when they no longer manage to take care of themselves. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Communities. Well, very, very well that's that sounds really weird, but I was very happy and relieved when she died. Yeah. Because I, I really couldn't have taken care of her and yeah. still I would have had to. Yeah. It was one of the questions when we had Jessica who was on the show earlier and it was maybe one of the hardest questions I had to ask her mm-hmm. knowing because it's one of those things. How do I, how do I address this? Like how relieved were you when your mom died? Yeah. Right. Knowing that it's feeling, but there's a there's the paradox as you feel the pain at the yeah. same time as the relief. And you don't know. It's hard to it's hard to uh, to yeah. make peace with that. Yeah. yeah, it's very hard to make peace with that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there was a lot of relief as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty much impossible to take care of a mother who has never taken care of you. Yeah. I mean, there there is such uh uh, an, an anger inside and a, and a um, resentment inside. So it, it's pretty much physically impossible. Yeah. But, but it sounds like there was no spaciousness to receive help. 
from her from her yeah that, that's true too mm. uh, so um uh, well, I never offered her to to come and live with me. <laughs> um, but if I would have done that, it would have probably have been the same as with my grandmother. So she would have stayed two weeks and then she would have yeah. wandered. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I uh, For people that would be interested, if people would like support, I know I've written this down. It's for children of parents with a mental illness. So if someone would like to contact you, how would they do that? Jessica mentioned, uh, mentions COP. So yeah. uh, if people want to contact me, they just have to add coaching to that word. COP okay. coaching. That's my COP coaching. COP. COP coaching. Great. Yeah. Thank you very much for, uh, for well, uh, being well, with us. Thank you guys too. And um, I realized that it's, I think it's maybe the first time that I, uh, spoke about my mother uh, with so much feeling. Yeah, so that's a compliment to you guys. You created yeah, this. Thank you. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that.